Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now brett picks Oi, Clive, wait, hey. is that your fucking name? I think so, I think that's what I decided my name was. So, <laughs> I think, I, th- I heard through the great. Oh, wait, was it Derek, maybe? It's Derek. It's Derek, yeah, because there's Derek and Clive, and I picked Derek, so I'm Derek. And you're, and you're Johnny? Sure, why not? Yeah, why not? There's a Derek. Yeah, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> I heard through the grapevine that uh, they've, them fellas going to be talking about a movie that came out just this year. Ah, it's a weird pick of a movie to make. Of what well, it must be a pick because they're coming down here to record it. Because they only come down here when they're doing the picks. That's right. Well, I hope, I hope it's Birds of Prey because I like that Margot Robbie oh, girl. Oh, yeah. You she's see a, that? She's a bird. Oh, yeah. Did you see that, uh, you see that uh, TV show she was in? No, I don't watch television. Rots the brain. Ah, oh, me neither. I just heard it was good. I don't know why I sound Australian all of a sudden. <laughs> My accent's drifting. i got to have a drink of beer. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> well, I hope it's a Guinness and not a Foster's. Now I'm back now. Yeah. Oh, shit. They're coming in. We better get out of here. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. I remember, God hate you all. Bye. Eat my balls. All right, guys. Get the fuck out. Come on. Shovel off. Oi. Shovel off. Oi. I said shovel off. For cream, cream and slut tree. Fuck you. Fuck you. You'll you're, get your check. You're canceled. Why Jason, do we come down here? <laughs> Jason, this is the last time we have to do this oh, for a while. Oh, good, good. <sighs> Jason, this is a podcast. It is a podcast. An it, audio documentation. Very good. Yeah. It is called For Screen and Country. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. And Jason, what do we do on this podcast? We normally count down uh, randomly through the top Can 100 we count down? films. We, we we go from the from the from the bottom up. No, no, we count down randomly. So, oh, okay. so we roll a dice and we go 22, and then we roll the dice and we go 54, and then we roll the dice and we go 91. Keep going until you get all of them. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of patience. Uh, so we normally normally that's what we do. We go through that list randomly. We watch the movie. We talk about it. Uh, but sometimes we take a break from that. And this time we're doing our special Brit picks. picks. You saw it for two weeks. We each had a movie. We picked Brendan. He picked Paddington 2. Jason, he picked Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And this week we picked a, a, a pick from the zeitgeist. From mm-hmm. we, we could call it a fan pick, but I don't know if they actually said we should watch it more as we just felt they're, that they thought about it. And 
we were going to go see this movie at one point and then didn't. So No, we did have a, someone on Twitter actually suggest that we review okay. this movie at some point. And Brendan and I, both having watched Guy Ritchie films in the past, I'm probably Brendan probably more than me, because I don't think I've watched anything post-Snatch, really. I think I've seen three of them total. Uh, no, I could, no, hold on, let's just talk about this, because I've seen Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, uh-huh. I've seen Snatch, yeah. I've seen King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, uh-huh. <laughs> unfortunately. One of the few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't, yeah, did not do well, supposed to be seven movies in the franchise. Oh goodness, that's ambitious. Cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have seen The Man from Uncle, the mm-hmm. remake, mm. that he did, it was good. I, I did not see that. I didn't realize he did that. That sounds kind of neat. I've seen the first Sherlock Holmes movie he did. Oh, right. I forgot about those. Yeah. So I guess I've seen five. There you go. That's pretty good. Yeah. I've never seen, I'm not seen Swept Away. So can I say that I've seen the best Guy Ritchie movie yet? No, no. I cannot. When you think Guy Ritchie, what do you think, Brendan? What comes to mind when you think Guy Ritchie? Uh, romantic comedy. Ah, yeah. Yeah. You're very much of a 2006 vintage, aren't you? It's the only year that you can exist in. Crime capers. Yes. But what else? Profanity. Yes. But what else? Colorful characters. Absolutely. But what else? Uh, questionable racism? Yep. We'll get to that. Okay. But what else? I don't know what you're getting at. Hyper, people. Hyperkinetic editing. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's what I went into this movie with is my one of my main impressions of uh, Guy Ritchie. A man who had a hyperkinetic visual style that was... Really cool for the time, actually, but it was breathless. Like, you, you did feel out of breath uh, watching his movies often because shit, say, especially did, Snatch. I was going to say, you watched the film Breathless? That's not what you're <laughs> supposed to watch at all. Yeah, the Guy Ritchie edit, and oh. I was out of breath. Jesus. Um, yeah, so that's that's what I went in kind of expecting from this. Mm-hmm. Um kind of what we got we got a little bit of that but there's we, of, but we of, also see a filmmaker that has matured uh, and changed a bit over the last 20 years well there's some debate about that yeah, but well, we'll yes <laughs> in certain ways for sure yes um it's uh, you could argue that or you could argue a filmmaker who has branched out didn't work out so well so he's gone back to the well <laughs> he's gone back to uh, yeah certainly a, a classic uh, trope of his yeah, yeah. so we're going to talk about the gentleman if mm-hmm. we haven't i don't think this is the first time we've mentioned the title yeah the gentleman the gentleman plural 20, 2020 i tried to find The Gentleman, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of movies called The Gentleman and The Gentleman. And now it's on Netflix. Yeah. Like, three days ago. Um, just wanted to do a quick shout out to uh, Daniel Barula. He came up with our name for Screen and Country. We don't say thank you enough. Thank so. you, Daniel. Thank yeah, you, again, Daniel. like we we had some names, and, and you probably remember you saw the list of them, and and yeah, that's that was far and away the one that stood out. Yep. So thank you, Daniel. Uh, when we have a plaque made commemorating this podcast, we'll be sure to put your name in the corner. I mean, in smaller font. Oh yeah. no, absolutely. Maybe in Comic Sans. Oh, just as a, as a fun joke. Yeah, of course. Okay. Um. <laughs> But this, yeah, this is the gentleman. This is Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie wrote and directed this movie. Uh, this stars Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Here we go. Not my, not my, not in a million years would I have expected him to pick Matthew McConaughey to star in his. Now, maybe as a support character, but not to star in it. 
He's lead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe. Charlie Hunnam, uh, you know from Sons of Anarchy and unfortunately also King Arthur. And Pacific Rim? Uh, oh, he was is in he that, in wasn't there? he? Isn't he in that? I don't remember. I don't know. I didn't it's see good, it. It's a good movie. Not the sequel. Um, Henry Golding, you may know from Crazy Rich Asians and uh, A Simple Favor. Great young actor. Michelle Dockery, who you probably know, Jason, from I do, absolutely. Abbey. Because when Katrina walked into the room and saw Mary Crawley saying, cunt, she immediately sat down and was uh, watching it with me. <laughs> I'm curious uh, to hear what she thought of the movie. She, she liked what she saw. She didn't get to see it all because she had to go to work. But she's like, I'm going to have to watch this on my own, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeremy Strong plays Matthew Berger. Jeremy Strong, you may know from the classic 2019 film Serenity. Uh, which oh, no. he also starred in with Matthew McConaughey. Wow. So every time they were together in a scene, I kept expecting him to say, I am the rules. It, it, and if you see Serenity, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. they become like super tight buds on that movie and now they're going to make movies together? Like like he's like a writer in his contract that, no, this dude's in the movie with me. Jeremy Strong or Bust. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also have Colin Farrell playing co- the character of Coach, who I will argue is my... I think he's the best performer in this movie. Colin Farrell at his fucking top-notch best. Yeah, he's amazing. We also have, again... The great Hugh Grant as Fletcher. Yeah. And we have the return of another actor we've talked about a few times, Eddie Marsden. Yeah. As Big Dave. Playing a, another kind of creepy character. <laughs> not not as creepy as the, as the driving instructor, but... Certainly not nearly yeah. as creepy. Or or, or toxic. But, but still, but still, a shitty character, like a shitty person amongst shitty people. <laughs> yeah. So... Guy Ritchie. We yeah. talked about kind of where we are in terms of like knowing what, like seeing some of his movies yeah, or whatever. Snatch, Snatch and Lockstock were movies that were in my teenage cinematic oeuvre along with like Fight Club and yeah, Boondock same. Saints and, you know, all movies that as a teenage kid I fucking loved and to this day I still appreciate but maybe uh, can also analyze a little more than I did back then. <laughs> so... With that being said, God save the queen. <laughs> Good night. So yeah, we talked about uh, kind of what we um, what we knew about Guy Ritchie, or what we thought about Guy Ritchie, kind of going into this. So actually, no, we didn't really. So what do you think of Guy Ritchie as a filmmaker? Like I said, based on my experiences with him, like Snatch and Lockstock are two fucking solid gangster movies mm-hmm. in the gangster genre, and led me to watch things like Gangster Number One and Layer Cake and other kind the of limey. British, the limey. The limey. I don't know if I ever actually saw the limey, but like the British gangster picture, you know. Um, And, you know, the, the Snatch was about a diamond heist, and that was so cool. And and what I always liked about Guy Ritchie is in addition to the editing and the music and, like, everything, his style, he always picks such great actors to be in his movies. Oh, there's no denying that. His casts are fantastic, and they're all super good for the roles that they've picked. Arguably, he uh, launched the career of Jason Statham. Absolutely. No, no question. Yeah. Fucking Statham going, what <laughs> What you need that for, Tommy? The Germans? <laughs> Provided one of, uh, one of the... Uh, one of the best, I think, parts for Brad Pitt. I think he's yeah. hilarious. Oh, he's wonderful in that movie. Yeah, everybody. Even the I love the the big the big, uh, big chubby black dude who's a, driving. The, who's the driver? And he backs into the car, and they're like, "What? How'd you do that?" And he's like, "Well, it was at a funny angle." He's like, "It wasn't at a funny angle. It was directly behind us." Yeah. So I mean, we're fans. Yeah. I don't like where his career went after that with King Arthur, mm. and I'm sure Swept Away is terrible. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Rock and Rolla. I heard yeah. kind of mixed things about it. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Uh, Man from Uncle is good, but it's very mainstream Guy Ritchie, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, not that he's like a yeah. crazy indie filmmaker, but um, <laughs> he's also sure. no Michael Bay. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
In the best way. We don't mean that as yeah, a negative. No. You are no Michael Bay, <laughs> sir. <laughs> uh, but no, like, Man from Uncle was pretty fun. And Henry Cavill, I think he probably also helped launch Henry Cavill a little bit. TV's The Witcher. Sure, yeah. Um, and then I guess the other thing I saw was I think, oh, Sherlock Holmes. Again, super mainstream, big budget movie. But yeah. he did it did really well with that, too. So Surprisingly, I don't think I've seen really any Guy Ritchie movies since Snatch, for whatever reason. I just haven't watched it. Not Sherlock it. Holmes. No, not even Sherlock Holmes. I thought it looked cool. just never got around to seeing it. You should check it out. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's very... Now, see, that was... What I, I think I like about Guy Ritchie the most... Even though I don't like King Arthur, I, I like the fact that he doesn't really abandon his style. Like, there's some filmmakers that I feel like once they get to a certain stage, they almost, you almost don't recognize them anymore. Mm. I think Martin Scorsese's had that happen a yeah. few times. Where In the 90s, where he made a few movies, and I was like, is this a Scorsese movie? <laughs> I mean, and, and is that a case of him trying something different, or is that a case of him being lazy? I mean, it could be argued either way, right? It's mm. It's... Yeah, but I but the thing is about Guy Ritchie is I've never felt like that. I, I've heard all the I've heard a lot of criticism that he's like kind of doing. He's kind of like British Tarantino, yeah, which I can kind of see in a little way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's got that like rapid fire dialogue and conversations about things that are seemingly not important to yeah. the plot. Um, but I mean, also a compliment. They're well, usually well written, yeah, and uh, well directed. Yeah. Absolutely enjoyable to watch. So, Jason, the gentleman. This is a this is a complicated plot, but yeah. let's just just boil it down to its essentials. What is this movie well, about? We, Read we, the back of the box. So, the, the, this movie is basically framed by uh, uh, a visit of Fletcher, played by Hugh Grant, who is a journalist uh, and a very um, unethical one at that, who is attempting to sell some information to uh, Charlie Raymond. Hunnam's character Raymond, yeah. who is essentially the henchman of Matthew McConaughey's He's character li- Mickey. He's like his, uh, his he's man. like his Tom Hayden, his Man Friday, his consigliere. That's right. He's he's like the the capo. He's like his fucking uh, uh, go to cleaner. Like he's his man of all trades. You know, he's the Robert Duvall to his Marlon Brando. Absolutely, he gets shit done. Yeah, and uh, so he's telling him this whole story about how he knows about this big. Uh, uh, Weed deal that's going down. And this is the funniest thing about this movie to me, but we'll, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, so the, the Matthew McConaughey's character, Mickey, is like running this big weed uh, operation in England and he wants to sell it off and get out of the game. And so Hugh Grant's character knows all about this and is trying to sell a bunch of information to them because if, if they don't buy it from him for 20 million pounds, he's going to like, uh, you know, he's got like the dead man switch kind of thing where it's going to get released to the press and cause them all sorts of trouble. He's going to tell his boss, his. Uh, the editor of a, of a tabloid newspaper. Yes. Who he works by, for. Played by Eddie Marson, yeah. Big Dave, who, by the way, we should note, Jason, yes. this is the the most guy thing about this whole movie, and I don't mean Guy Ritchie, I yeah. mean as a, as a male. As a dude, yeah. This whole thing could have been avoided if Matthew McConaughey, Mickey, yeah. had just shaken his hand. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. the whole premise gets set up where Big Dave is at a party. Yeah. And he simply just extends his hand, and because he did some tabloid piece on a on a lord, yeah, on, that, on a friend of his or something, on like, a friend of his that that you know Mickey was close to, yeah. he he kind of blows him off and walks away, and that snowballs the whole plot. Yeah, that's the entire impetus for this whole shit going down. It's just a fucking handshake snub at a party, which they even have Charlie Hunnam be like, "That's not a reason to go after someone." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I like that the movie right away is kind of that. That is one thing I will say. The movie is kind of uh, so attacking a little bit, a little bit attacking the ridiculous masculinity of the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway, continue with the plot. 
Yeah, so it basically boils down to he wants to sell them this information and it turns out that they know what's going on and then it's 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 even hot complicated to try to explain because I would have to sit here and explain the entire movie because so many plot details come yeah. into it. Let's just let's just say that basically Hugh Grant is trying to is trying to tell like um like Fletcher is trying to tell uh, Raymond that he knows everything. Yeah. And he wants money he's going to expose everything yeah. unless he pays him 20 million pounds. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's basically it. Yeah. I mean that, and then there's all kinds of stuff that happens. It all spins out, and then at some point we move from him telling these these stories uh, to actually what's happening in the moment to the present day. Yeah, which we are following the English patient formula yeah. of starting the movie <laughs> towards the end of the film. As the greatest film ever made, English Patient has inspired Guy mm-hmm. Ritchie countless times. Bite your tongue. <laughs> But uh, okay, so and that that is an interesting kind of jumping off point, maybe because I gotta say, and I messaged you this too. Yeah. I was shocked at how easily I followed this movie. Yeah, because like I, I, as soon as I heard like the gentleman, I was like, all right, this will probably be like you know entertaining, but I'm gonna be like lost at times. There's so many character mm. names. Luckily, I had the like list of who played who in front of yeah. me, so they're like Matthew, and I'm like, oh, Matthew, 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 Jeremy Strong, okay. I also made the point of a rare, a rare move for me watching this movie with subtitles on, because I wasn't sure how thick the accents were going to be, and they weren't too bad, thankfully. I mean, and, and you know, you got Matthew McConaughey, who's in the movie, and he's American, so. Although, i got to say about his accent, I was afraid right out of the gate that I was going to see Matthew McConaughey trying to do a fucking English accent, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. But he didn't do that. But what I did, I what choice I do like that he makes is that he, not so much if he's just kind of by himself or talking to an American, but when he's talking to British people, he does affect a little bit of an upper class kind of tinge to his voice, where he's speaking in an almost more precise and more like, I guess, almost academic or intelligent sounding way to fit in with the people around him. Because this guy comes from a trailer park, right? Mm-hmm. This guy got a Rhodes scholarship because he was that smart, and that's what gets him to England. Which is a fun setup. The road scholar is like, yeah, I'm going to deal weed. So I'm going to throw something in here, maybe maybe a bit controversial. Just, to, just, to, just hot to, takes right out of the gate. Just a bit of a hot take. All right. I don't think Matthew McConaughey is that good in this movie. You don't. I don't. No. And I don't. I like Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great actor. I think in this movie. He kind of seems listless. Mm. He kind of seems bored by the material. I don't know. Just something about his performance. Like, it's not terrible. No. He's not chewing the scenery. He's yeah. not exploding. But, like, yeah. this, is no, this is no Dark Tower situation. No. But but it just he seemed, like, just not interested. I know what you're saying. There, There is a feeling watching the movie. Like, I, I thought he was fine. And I like Matthew McConaughey a lot. I do like um, him. But, yeah, there was something about him that felt a little out of place amongst all these, like, really good character actors british character actors i mean and and we've seen in the past like you know brad pitt is able to get in there but of course brad pitt was doing an accent too now like i say i don't want matthew mcconaughey to do a british accent in this movie i don't think that he could really pull it off maybe he could maybe he's great with accents i don't remember have we ever seen him do accents in movies beyond just like mississippi mud people but i think that's <laughs> nothing against mississippi we love you by the way quick shout out to alabama apparently we got some listeners in alabama so fucking we love you alabama and mississippi pick up your pants we want you as listeners too you're changing your flag soon and we appreciate it but we'd love some more listeners and wyoming since you don't listen anyway go fuck yourself yeah fuck you wyoming <laughs> <laughs> Dick Cheney's home. I think that's where Dick Cheney's from, or is he from Wisconsin? I don't remember. You're all just as guilty. That's right. You're all complacent in Bush's war crimes. <laughs> and speaking of Bush, we've been watching a movie about weed. 
And they do refer to it as Bush several times, which, yeah, which I've heard, never heard in my life. No, and for a second I thought they were also running a prostitution ring. Every time they said it, I'm like, wait, what are we talking about? It's like, oh, it's weed. Okay. So that's one it, thing I have to say right now. What is it? Skunkamola is one of them, too? <laughs> Before we get into the deeper implications yeah. of this movie, I got to point out, like, Guy Ritchie, like, Snatch, I don't remember Lockstock specifically. I know Lockstock, they were ripping off some money, I think, right? That was kind of the whole plot of it. It's been a long time. Snatch, yeah. it was about diamonds. They were selling they were selling dildos to people. Yeah, yeah, sure. And they said no one's gonna come pick up the checks because it's gonna say like rock hard fucking dildos yeah. on the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so all these scam. All these married men are not gonna come pick up their checks. But uh, yeah, and the snatch was about a diamond heist and everything. So these like kind of higher stake stuff, but like and I know this is a lot of money and the weed industry is big, but it just seems almost like a self parody of Guy Ritchie movies to have the guy he's like, I run a weed empire. <laughs> I one hundred percent think that. I'm I'm glad you said it because I was wondering the whole time if that was intentional. Now I know when he had that idea he thought Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I mean how, yeah, I mean I get that. <laughs> but no, it's interesting you said that because um yeah, I got that idea too. Especially like you said, Lockstock and Snatch. Um, I feel like they deal with a lot less money. Yes. Like it's, it feels more low scale. Yes, uh, small scale. And this one, it's like it's like I, I run a four hundred million dollar. There's at one point where Matthew McConaughey says, "You're going to turn this into half a trillion dollars." I'm like half a trillion. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is the guy Richie <laughs> making like a. Re- Ridiculously but, but this is one of those things, like, it's it's about weed, right? It's like, it's kind of like, um, it's less about the, the drug end of it and more about the logistics of it. Because weed is like, you know, weed, weed may very well be legal in England in the next 10 years. It's certainly possible. It's, it's legal here in Canada. It's legal in numerous U.S. states. That's the way the winds are blowing in this world. So it's actually a, a cool premise because yeah. it does make sense. The idea of this illegal operation with all this uh, capacity and ability in a legal market being ready to go right out of the gate because you remember as well as I do when it was legalized here, we immediately had supply problems because uh, that's just how it goes. There wasn't the capacity. And if you have that capacity, even if it's illegal and you could just wait it out long enough and not get arrested, man, you are going to be in such a position. Well, and that, and that's, I mean, that kind of stirs the premise a little bit because McConaughey or, you know, um, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey Pearson uh, wants to, sell it because he's he i mean we learn of his upbringing yes. which i want to say too we learned of, so we learned of his upbringing is kind of a violent past yeah. because he had to use a little bit of violence to get where he is and um a little so bit he, he stabbed a guy with a machete I'm which we sure. don't which we don't see no um but i i do think it's uh yeah so he wants to sell it mm. because you know he realizes that when this shit does become legal it needs to have a clean face on yes. it and he can't be that face because he's got a dirty background. Exactly. He's got arrests. He's got priors, a lot of murders, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, murders, you know, the the usual. Um, so that's why he makes the offer to uh, Jeremy Strong's character mm. Matthew, which I got. I wonder how weird it was calling him Matthew throughout the shoot for uh, Old McConaughey. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought the same thing. Like if I was in a movie and I had to call the other character Jason, it would be weird to hold him. Hello, Jason. Yeah. Jason, listen to me, Jason. It's weird Think for me to call someone else Brendan. I had a friend. I have a friend named Brendan. And I just started using nicknames. I couldn't do it. Wow, <laughs> this is too weird. I don't know many Brendans. I just know lots of Brandons. Well, they're all dead to me. Good. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely the, the, the huge weed empire is, yeah. is interesting. Um, 
Also, the Matthew kind of looks like uh, Dean Pelton from Community a little bit. <laughs> well, okay, maybe we should maybe we should maybe we should just jump into this discussion now. Sure, because this is going to be a major part of. Yeah, this we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about this movie has been criticized mm. as being a little racist, a little bit, a little racist, a little misogynistic, yes, a little sexist, mm. a little. Just overall, you know, some iffy things here. Now, I didn't, uh, I didn't look up anything about this movie before I watched it. All I knew was that it was a Guy Ritchie movie, and watching yeah. it, I, I didn't. Now, maybe this is just the man in me. Didn't think about the sexist end of it, but now thinking about this weird all female garage where they all seem to be dressed a little bit sexy, not totally sexy, but a little bit sexy. I actually weird. did like that part because I thought that cool. I thought that was an interesting thing where um, we have Mickey's wife. Uh, but they uh, all Rosalind, but, but they all look like models. Like surely not all mechanics. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, we have Rosalind played by Michelle Dockery, who yes. I think is wonderful oh, in this movie. She, she, and, and as Katrina pointed out, she said, "Oh, she sounds like Adele. She must be from Brighton." <laughs> Oh, okay. So she must be doing a Brighton accent. Whether she's from Brighton or not, I don't know. But that seems to be the accent she's doing. But I like that she introduces this idea of the all-female garage. And she even mentions, like, this is this is a safe haven for women. Mm. Because they come to this garage and they don't have to worry about a weird, creepy mechanic dude. Yeah. They even have a, a guy working and she's like, I don't want him on the floor. Yeah. I don't want him out here. He can work in the office, but he's not down here. This is a safe haven for women. But I just think that's interesting. Where are yeah. we going with that? Uh, the sexism and the racism of the movie. So, yeah, no, I watched it in a vacuum a bit. And, yeah, yeah I had the same thoughts about it. Um, less the sexism but more the racism of it. And, and and I'm not saying that this movie is outwardly racist. Like, this movie I don't think is is an intentionally racist movie. I don't think Guy Ritchie is a racist. Uh, but but the view of it is very much like – so you have this, you have this white guy who, who admittedly does have uh, a multiracial assembly of people working for him. But he's definitely the white guy in charge. And and at one point in the movie, he has a confrontation with a Chinese dude. What do they call him? Lord something? Dry Eye. Not Dry Eye, but his boss. Oh, Lord... Oh, God. Lord George. Lord George. He has a confrontation with him. He comes to see him while he's watching horse racing. Because no, McCon- he's... McConaughey. McConaughey. Because he's a Chinese guy. And, of course, he's sitting there watching horse racing and yeah. gambling. Um, so he says to him... He basically says to him, he's like, look, man. He's like, thing about me is that I'm selling weed. I'm not killing people. But you're selling brown and white, and you're the one that's killing people. And it's like, oh, okay, so we're ascribing to the Chinese mafia, the ones that have to be the ones selling the, the opium and the fucking cocaine and all the bad drugs. And, I mean, it could be argued that the fun drug dealers in this movie yeah. are just are white dudes. Yeah. I mean, like, like yeah, you look at somebody like Colin Farrell, his character, Coach, which, as you pointed out, is one of the best characters oh, in the movie. Oh, yeah, I love him. But yeah, he's he's fun. He's a fun character, and yeah. and his boys are funny. I mean, Mickey and Raymond are mostly presented as just doing what they got to do. Yeah, and Raymond, by the way, white straight men. <laughs> Raymond, by the way, reminds me so much. If he just had a fucking man bun on his head, he would remind me of Jonah from uh, BoJack Horseman, okay. who's like this weird hipstery assistant voiced by Diedrich Bader to uh, Princess Carolyn on that show. He's just got that real hipster vibe to him. And I guess at one point we get a brief offhand comment about him having OCD. So that might explain why he's so fastidious. So not only that that yeah. you mentioned, but they also have Matthew playing a Jewish guy. They mentioned a few times that he's a Jew. Yes. Uh, and they Jeremy make... Strong. And, they, and, and, he's a little, and he's a little fey. Yes. He's a little, he's, I think he uh, may be like bisexual or something because I think he has a wife. That, that yes. is constantly around him. Yes, there was. I, I don't um, know that there's any outward indication that he's specifically gay. He just seems a bit well. Feminine. I think it's played. I think it's played on a little bit. Not and, not as much and, as with Fletcher later on. But but the the villains in this movie, Jason, yeah. are either Asian, yeah, 
maybe gay, but definitely Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, oh, and possibly gay. Hugh Grant. Yes. Because he hits on Charlie Hunnam. And at first I thought it was just like a little joke. Yeah. But there's a point where he says, Charlie Hunnam is like, I'm going to bed. And he's like, can oh, I come, with, can you? I come with you? Yeah. And it seems a little more. And he puts his hand on his leg. Yeah. So it just seems like it's a weird thing where like every villain in this movie is like an other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. And then, and then you combine that with the kind of typical uh, casual racism of, of a Guy Ritchie character, yeah. which is, again, I don't think that that's unrealistic. I think that that, you, that your average gangster probably does talk like that, and, and gangs often you know form along ethnic lines. That part doesn't bother me so much. Yeah. The part that bothers me is that everything that's not a straight white dude is a villain. Seems to, yeah, it seems to be a villain or somebody with an alternate, uh, ulterior motive. And then we even have that scene, and th- this, this seemed even a little much for a Guy Ritchie movie near the end, where we have a confrontation between Dry Eye Oh, yeah. And, uh... uh Rosalind. Rosalind. Uh, 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 Ms. Dockery. It, it, did it, did, okay, did it surprise the fuck out of you? Because I yeah. did not see any of that coming. Yeah, no, I, I didn't expect a, an attempt at rape, but, like, yeah, he she manages to kill uh, his two henchmen with her little Derringer, and then he, like, attacks her, and they're having a full-on fight, and then he proceeds to... to attempt to, start, to rape her. ...to really start the process of raping her, but just before uh, he manages to then, you know... Uh, Matthew McConaughey busts in fucking uh, uh, Charles Bronson style from Death Wish and just murders him right then and there. I'm just like... (sighs) Save the white woman from the Asian guy. It's so... That's a little different narrative. I mean, it is so weird, though. Like, it's just... Like, I don't understand why they introduced that in mm. that scene. Like, why does he try to rape her? Yeah, like, why was it necessary? Like, like, literally him just beating the shit out of her probably would have been more than enough at that point. Like, he has to introduce the rape end of it. I'm still, I'm sure that if he had punched her a couple times, Matthew McConaughey's character probably still would have killed and, him. Okay, so this is like, yeah. So, <laughs> so Henry Golding, who is another guy who's great in this movie. No, he's great, yeah. He's playing Dry, he's playing dry Eye. But, like, and his character is his character's suave, and he's not stereotypical mm. up to that point. Um... And then in this scene, he just tries to rape her. And I'm like, what is this in yeah. the character? Like, I don't see this as part of this Are character. We, is he trying to reinforce how we're supposed to dislike this character and really, like, hammering on that in that scene that, and yes, we can't like this guy? And that feels lazy to me. Yeah. That's like a thing where, you know... yeah, it's an easy you, out. Exactly. You have a villain in the movie, and it's like, no, we want to make sure there's nothing gray. Yeah. He's got to be a villain through and through. Everything is despicable. I mean, that's the reason why we hate that tree so much in Evil Dead. Yeah, I mean they could have history's show- greatest villain of film. They could have just showed the tree being rude. No, they didn't. They went all the way. They didn't have to have the tree rape her. <laughs> That's I'm just right. Saying. They didn't. They didn't need it, but they went for it. Well, Jason, I did take an example here of what I'm talking about, and this is the scene where Hugh Grant is kind of describing Dry Eye yeah. at first in his story, and he kind of anyway. We'll 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 listen, but uh, yeah, let's just listen to the scene. He's describing Dry Eye to um, Raymond Charlie Hunnam, many miles away. Across the open plains, another beautiful feral beast lopes his way to a watering hole. Who are you talking about now? I talk, Raimondo, of dry eye. Oh, dry eye. What is he, Chinese, Japanese, Pekingese? Get on your fucking knees. Dirty dragon, filth. Yellow is the colour. Gambling is the game. He explodes on the scene like a millennial fucking firecracker. Bang, 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 bang. I'd love to stop you right there, Fletcher. That doesn't sound like the dry eye I know. Just making sure you're paying attention, Raymond. So let's cut instead to a somewhat anticlimactic, but suave and debonair dry eye, like a Chinese James Bond. Wait, buddy. Rasms to kill. 
That last comment was a bit much. And I love it when I was watching it on Netflix with the subtitles on. It said, in Chinese voice, license to kill. Yeah, mockingly <laughs> East Asian. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ugh. so I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's probably the best, like the, the, the most progressive example. Because you have Charlie Hunnam being like, well, no, that's not what he is. Yeah, yeah. And, and like that's that seems to be a function of the characters. And that's one thing. But like it, the, the more racist issue, I guess, that, that we see is the structural one of this movie of, of how it all kind of shakes out. Yeah. It seems weird. But, you know. That's that's how movies sometimes work out. They get through a person's fucking own prejudices or, or experiences. And I mean, like I say, I don't think Guy Ritchie is in, like any, like, like most white people these days, I don't think he's an obvious racist. I think it's just like all of us, he's got these inherent. preconceived inherent notions of how film is supposed to be and how stories are supposed to play out and who he relates to. Uh, and that's what we got. You do, know? You, do you think, um, okay, well... Uh, I don't even know. Like, I feel like we talk about this for the entire episode. Oh, probably. But, um, but we should talk about uh, the the function of Hugh Grant's character, mm. Fletcher, because he comes in as a guy, like you said, he's blackmailing uh, Raymond the whole time. Yeah. And the way he frames it, though, is like he's framing a movie. Mm. Um, he literally has a script he wrote. He literally makes it into a script. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, you could do whatever you want with this. We could be partners if you want. He's like, that, that's part of the deal. He's like, I'll sell you all this information and my screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a, like an LA thing to do. And the screenplay, of course, is called what, Brendan? Uh, this is like untitled, isn't no, it? No, it's just Bush. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, that was the original title for W. <laughs> but isn't it interesting? I feel like Hugh Grant is almost acting as a voice of like the studio. Like, I feel like this is Guy Ritchie's way of attacking studios. Because, so? well, there's lines in this movie where he says stuff like, uh, like, well, I mean, we just listened to a clip of him introducing Dryad as, like, this crazy Chinese guy with a machine gun and everything. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Yeah, because then we have a scene later on, too, where he describes uh, the meeting of Dry Eye and Matthew McConaughey and Mickey. And it, like, turns into, like, a bloodbath. And then he, he's like, that, and Charlie Adams like, that did not happen. Yeah, Mickey doesn't <laughs> operate like that. He's yeah. not even, he's barely a violent guy anymore. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So that reinforces the idea that, that... Theoretically, everything we see that is a flashback that Fletcher is telling us is unreliable because he's an unreliable narrator, and everything he's saying is in his interest because he's trying to play every side to get money. But again, I do feel like it's it's Guy Ritchie's way of criticizing studios because mm. it's like he's always trying to insert action, unnecessary action into the yeah. plot. He's always trying to like uh, to make something more than what it is. He even at one point says like you know I want grainy film, anamorphic two thirty five one, yeah. and then he says something like uh, I mean we even end the movie with him going to a studio and pitching it. So it, it I, I, yeah you're right. I, I, now that I think about it, he's probably trying. He's making him sound like the sort of producer that would really stick their nose into a production without really understanding what it was about or how it was working. Like, yeah. and, and, and literally, I was just, before I came here, Brendan, I was listening to a podcast, Dan Carlin, who's a history guy, was interviewing Tom Hanks about uh, about history and about his new movie, Greyhound. And he, he asked Tom, he said, now, Tom, what exactly does an executive producer do? And Tom said, well, if it's a movie, nothing. It's, 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 it's an honorary title. He said, but it, in a TV show, you have the ability to, like, basically be the quality control, and you can kind of intervene yourself into the middle of it 
and and you know do what you need to do to get it made and he's like if it's if it's bad you go there and you get yourself involved if it's good you sit back and call them and say hey fellas great job you're doing you know i love that tom hanks is on podcasts yeah i know <laughs> he was also on conan o'brien needs a friend this week and was fucking hilarious see that i'm not as shocked by <laughs> well, yeah because he's great on I, i'm shows sure like, that. like i've seen him on there before and i think they're buddies but but he's also a big uh, i know i know we're talking about tom hanks and he has nothing to do with this movie but no, he also is all. A, he's a big history fan so he's yeah. and, and he knows dan carlin he's said that he actually took a, a road trip with his kids recently. They, they drove to Idaho or something and they listened to the Ghost of the Ostfront series where Dan talks about the Siege of Stalingrad and the German invasion of World War, uh, German invasion of Russia. And yeah, it was really cool. I love that Tom Eggs is a fan of one of my favorite podcasters. It makes me happy. I'm glad you're happy. I'm very happy. And I wish Tom Hanks would guest in our podcast. Tom Hanks, come on our podcast. Tell us your favorite British film. Yeah. We really would like to know. And if it's the Burbs... That's fine. Shh. It's fine. No, it's fine. Okay. No, it's fine. It's perfectly fine. Was it Was it directed by yeah. uh, Sir Lawrence British. Olivier? British. <laughs> talk about the burbs all he wants. Absolutely. The, the burbs outside of London, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the London suburbs. Um, also, not only, um, not only do I think Hugh Grant is like an extension of like kind of a studio... Uh, studio head or executive or whatever also seems to be like a criticism of how Hollywood tends to just like Americanize movies Um, especially movies like Guy Ritchie makes his first two movies were made I mean maybe not as so much his second one Snatch but you could definitely argue Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was made completely outside the Hollywood system what's that? it's me Bren Gun. They wouldn't have a Bren Gun in an American movie are you fucking kidding me? did you notice uh, did you notice the scene with the subtitle? No, because I was listening to well, I was I had subs the entire movie. So there's a scene with an intentional subtitle where uh, I think Matthew says something like a certain number, and then the subtitle comes up like describing what the actual number is, like as he's okay. as he's using like slang to describe it. Okay, uh, it's like this is actually under half a billion. dollars. Oh right, yes, okay, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, he said half a yard. Yeah, and it says like under uh, half a billion dollars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. By the way, British people, that's a good term, half a yard. I like that. Good on you. Can we listen to the music video robbery? Yes, please. <laughs> and then we'll talk about it? Yes. <laughs> okay. I just want to play it first. Money after take off the door. Pull up in a dingo straight for the hole in the floor with the toddlers. Don't know what you thought by the end of the night. If you get up, draw plants. Not 10 or 20. He said, Benny, because I never get cracked. Man's egg got cracked and his legs went jelly. Just know that we're leaving the room with every last penny. They call me ghost, because you never see me coming. It's over when you see ghosts. Spinning back kick might take off your nose. Man don't want that smoke. Big elbow to the top of the dome. My name's Ernie. And the left hand's fast and the right hand's sturdy. And I'm Ernie, the left hand's fast but the right hand's sturdy. They know I've been bad from early. Your little head lock can't hurt me. I'm fighting dirty. Chip, chip, chip. Yeah, you already know man can't fuck you when it comes to this fighting thing. Man, I ain't putting put in a double leg kick down. Why are we watching fight porn, right? Because it's fight porn at one of my farms. With the toddlers of your thumb, just know that we come from the bottom of the slum and we're hungry. Means we're coming for the crumbs. And we're like a tax man, cause we're coming for your funds. Bang, bang, he seals in a gang. And this, my friend, is exactly what I signed up for when I wanted to watch a Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> How would you explain the toddlers, Jason? Uh, they seem to be a bunch of uh, young fellas who are... They, they box at Coach's gym, and Coach seems to be training them to box. But also, he's basically their thugs in his criminal organization. And they go out and will do things for him, but they all wear like little like square GoPro-style cameras on their heads, and they film it. And so they were beating the fuck out of the, the old dudes that were taking care of the... Um, 
weed plants at Mickey's facility, and they just fucked them up and then edited it all into a music video and put it on YouTube. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and Colin Farrell, as coach, yes. is very perturbed by this. Yes, because they keep doing things that he doesn't tell them to do. <laughs> right. And what I think is interesting... Okay, and this is like a thing that, that runs through this movie. Mm. No one dies unnecessarily. No. Like, you think in a movie like this... You see the cast and you're like, all right, one of these people is making it out. Everybody's dead. Everybody's done. Mm-hmm. But like most of the people in this movie make it out alive. Yeah. I thought that was crazy. And most of the violence in this movie is off screen. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. We, you, we see blood splatters and things like that, but we don't see like full on like executions for instance. Very little, yeah. very little on screen. And I wonder if that's Guy Ritchie sticking it to... Hollywood again a little bit to be like oh this is what you want but you're not getting you're not getting it I'm gonna I'm gonna cut away right at the moment that you think it's gonna happen maybe that's also him kind of being a little bit self-reflective yes and being like you know I used to kind of embrace this shit but I'm I'm maybe he's that's him trying to show that he's matured as a filmmaker yeah and and he has uh, somewhat because this movie. Yeah, this movie stylistically, you know, is reminiscent of Snatch and, and Lockstock, but like, especially even compared to Snatch, it's not nearly as hyperkinetic. It, it it does show the marks of a guy who's kind of mellowed a bit over the years and kind of has focused in on what his style is, at least in regards to these gangster type pictures. And he's uses that stuff just a little bit more judiciously in this movie, I would say, than in something like Snatch, where it's almost the entire way through. And I like that a little bit. I, I like seeing that progression, you know, of a filmmaker. Yeah, I wonder if it's almost like too like a way of like hitting back at critics who say who may, might some critics who might have said like Lockstock and Snatch he was like sensationalizing the violence. Possibly, I'd like to think that he just does it because that's how he is as a filmmaker, and he doesn't give a fuck what people think, and this is just the movie that he wanted to make. I think every filmmaker cares about. They probably think. do in, in some, some extent. Way. They may say they don't, but yeah, I'm sure they must to some extent. Like the you know. In, I'm sure somebody will glance at a review. That'd be my, my fear of getting famous and being in a movie is then having to read reviews of it. I would never. <laughs> you couldn't. It'd be the worst thing to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I got enough, I, I got a low enough self-esteem as is. I don't need right? fucking A.A. Scott telling me that I suck. A.O. A. Scott, Jason, <laughs> oh, come sorry. on. A.A. A. Milton, the guy that wrote there uh, Winnie the Pooh, I don't need him telling me I sucked. A.A. <laughs> <laughs> a. Milton, right from the New York Post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck you, uh, David Edelstein. One other thing I noticed, too. I just want to say, not fuck you, David Edelstein. No. You're probably a great guy. Whoever he is. He's a critic. Oh, okay. Sure, David. Good job. Um, one other theme I noticed, and, and I think it's just Guy Ritchie's getting older, and I definitely see the theme of age in this movie. Okay. A little bit of old versus young. Yeah. We have that, that fantastic scene where Coach is introduced in the fast food restaurant where the young kids try to, like, stab him, and he just fucks them over, and... and Eventually, at the end, you know, he basically beats them all up or gets them away, and then is like, "Oh yeah, you guys got some spunk. Come on down to the gym, and I'll train you." <laughs> it, it, it does feel a little pro boomer at times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, the old guys, we got the wisdom, which is, but but that is true. It's like, yeah, the young guys got the energy and the ability, but the old people have the wisdom and the experience. You know, and I, that, I can't stress enough how good Colin Farrell is ooh, in this movie. Ooh. He wears a full tracksuit. Mm-hmm. He's hilarious. He's He's not chewing the scenery at all. He's just so good. Yeah, he just he's just such a perfect like Guy Ritchie character in this movie. And, and yeah, he's a joy every second he's on screen. Every second. And that goes for most of the times yeah. I watch Colin Farrell. He's a great actor. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's actually true of most of the people in this movie. I mean, I'm, I'm not disappointed to see anybody that is on screen in this movie. They're all great. There was one scene in this movie that changed my entire opinion on an actor, Jason. Which one? 
And this is a scene, uh, the actor in question is Charlie Hunnam. Mm-hmm. Didn't think much of him before this. Yeah. I've never seen Sons of Anarchy, so maybe that's a problem. Yeah. But I didn't think much of him. I saw him in King Arthur, and I was like, oh, he's boring. But there's a scene here where, okay, so, again, every time we talk about a scene, we have to go deep into this plot. Yeah. But Mickey, yes. Matthew McConaughey, it basically um, helps out all these lords across the land. Yeah. And because he does this, he's able to have, like, his little weed plants everywhere. He's got yeah. 12 locations. Basically helps them out with their, their money for, like, taxes and shit. Yeah. Um, and one of the lords, like, they want to get their daughter back because their daughter's hooked on heroin and she's hiding out with this, like, shitty musician or something. So yeah. McConaughey sends... Uh, Raymond Charlie Hunnam out to go get him, which and and this is a scene where they kind of introduce his kind of OCD, yeah, which they didn't play on enough. I wanted no. a little more of that, but basically it came down to he mentions the fact that it's you know he's going go into a, a heron addict's apartment, a smacker, yeah, a smacker's apartment, and he obviously yeah. doesn't like dirty apartments, right? Well, his place is very pristine, I yes. will say. But this is a scene, and I don't know about you, but this I'll, I'll talk about what scene this reminded me of, just in the certain like charisma and the way he kind of handled himself we'll talk about it after because i want to see if you think the same thing but this is uh charlie hunnam uh talking to all these little like smack addicts in the apartment while trying to get the royal dude's daughter out of there just so we're clear i work for a man a powerful man michael pearson 10 points to you laura who's michael pearson friend of her father's runs london's buff game a big dick swinger what is your name, young man? Aslan. Where are you from, Aslan? You don't sound like one of the natives. Disneyland. Sounds about right. Well, you are correct. He is a big dick swinger, but I wouldn't want him to hear you say that. It's best you forget what he apparently does for a living after we depart. Now, Laura, your father's asked us to bring you home. She's not going anywhere. Mind if I sit? Yes. I don't build a joint like the Americans in the new school. Backstrapping, jockstrapping, coke wrapping, all that bollocks. I like a good old fashioned 50 50 mix, me. That's how we used to play. There's one thing I will never understand is why you lot get addicted to heroin. There's one drug you should not chase. It is the dirty dragon. Do you ever give it a spin, Bunny? No, not me, Ray. I don't even puff anymore. Of course not. Bunny likes the gym. You can probably see that. What are you benching these days? Three wheels aside. What about you, Brown? What about me? What could I lift? You couldn't lift a wheel of cheese, you cunt. <laughs> By the way, cunt gets said like a million times. Oh, yeah, it's, it's classic British. You know. <laughs> but um, what I... Okay, can you can you see what, can you tell what I'm going to say? What scene this uh, reminds me Sam Jackson and Pulp Fiction. Yes! Absolutely. Right? Yeah. No question. Yeah. 100%. So totally inspired by that scene. Obviously a different tone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, yeah, basically that. Also, I like the fact that the Russian kid's name is Aslan, and they talk about like him being the lion and the other guy being the dragon, and <laughs> Aslan was the lion from fucking Chronicles of Narnia. I was going to yeah. say Riddick, but I meant Narnia. Uh, oh, <laughs> and yeah, definitely they threw in a Narnia reference in mm-hmm. there. Guy Ritchie, an eclectic man of all many tastes. Clearly. 
But no, yeah, that's what I thought about the whole time. I was like, this is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. This is him saying, look at the big brains on Brad when he yeah. tells Laura, uh, 10 points to you, Laura. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, the, it was the, the quiet British version of Sam Jackson in that scene. And, and it's a great scene. And, of course, it ends with the all hell breaking loose and that Aslan being knocked over the balcony and falling to his death. And then, of course, we learn later in the movie, turns out he's the son of a Russian mobster. And that just turns out bad for everyone. Turns out bad for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Um more to the more to the point where we were talking about uh, Fletcher um, uh, presenting the whole thing as a movie. Can we just listen to the bit where him he gets Raymond to like act out a scene with him? Yeah, he has yeah. this footage of Matthew and Dry Eye talking to prove that Matthew is up to no good too. And he um, he's like, come on, act it out with me. Because they're speaking in Cantonese. And he's and translated He has, he has a translation of it. And he's yeah. written it in his script. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is them acting out the conversation that he's showing uh, Raymond. Now, can I just say that Matthew, he's quite something, isn't he? He's not your average American. He's a Mr. International. He even speaks a bit of Cantonese. Come here. You play dry eye and I... Should be Matthew. Come on. All right. Try and get it in time with his lips, all right? Yeah, yeah. Ready? Roll camera, action. There was an incident. Lord George. Fuck's sake, Raymond. It's a bit fucking wooden. Put something into it, you know, a bit of welly. And action. There was an incident. Lord George didn't come through it. Didn't come through it. The last thing you need to do is attract any octopus. Octopus? What does that mean? It's not a very good translation. No, there's nothing wrong with the translation. Matthew's not that fluent, and it's Cantonese. Just go with it and fill in the blanks. And action. It's all on Michael. He's to blame. That is not a smart move. Don't tell me what a smart move is. I beg for your pardon. You heard me perfectly well. There will be repercussions for Michael's actions. You think you're running things, do you? Don't stroke my mouth, man. Also, I mean. Yeah, I think what he means is don't jeopardise my deal, but I, I admit that one's a bit of a googly. <laughs> He's a bit of a googly. A googly! <laughs> we talked about a googly a few weeks ago yeah, with it. hope and glory. <laughs> um, oh, there's a scene in this that made me think of a movie we've covered on the BFI Top 100, Jason. Yeah. The scene where we think everything's going to end badly for I Mickey. know what you're going to say. He's a, he, gets, he goes in his car. Yeah. He thinks his driver's in there. It's the Russians because, you know, Aslan, yep. that guy fell out of the window. Yep. And what does this scene remind you of, Jason? It reminds us of Bob Hoskins in that movie whose name escapes me. Was that the, it wasn't a long, the long good, was good, it long good Friday. Friday? Okay, it yes. was a long good Friday. Yes, 100%. And I thought, I thought, wow, is he going to end this movie just like the long good Friday? Is he going to evoke that deep? And clearly he was evoking it, but that's not where it went. 100% a conscious decision. Because there's because you see Matthew McConaughey's face and as he's riding, it's like Bob Hoskins. And he just kind of looks down and he goes, fuck. <laughs> Which I will say that is that 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 point of the movie I do think his acting is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Not it's no Bob Hoskins. No, certainly not. But, but he does kind of evoke that Bob Hoskins wordless so many emotions going yeah. on, like performance. Mm. And I was like, Guy Ritchie has to be Oh yeah, there's no question. There's no way he's not calling back to that. And god damn it, Jason, we're probably two of the few people in North America 
<laughs> you catch that nowadays, yeah, yeah, for sure. Which I, I, I feel a little bit of pride. I feel special. I do feel special. And you all are not special, so remember that. Brendan and I, we're special, but you're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. Oh, also, Hugh Grant being that executive type character, he also references the conversation. Yes. And he mentions that he found it a bit boring, which I thought was interesting. Like, that feels like something a studio would have told Francis Ford Coppola back in the day. Like, can you put more action to this? This is not The Godfather. What's going on? I got to watch that movie. I've only seen Enemy of the State, the spiritual sequel. Okay. We need to talk. We need to talk yeah. about another scene that is. Whoo. So, so we mentioned Eddie Marsden is in the movie, and Eddie Marsden is the editor of a tabloid that runs a bunch of. It's like the Daily Mirror or the fucking. Yeah, um, it's it's a really the shitty. Express the fucking awful, terrible British tabloids. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so he he is going to run the story, and he's getting this information. And uh, as he's leaving the building to go do something, he gets accosted by uh, the toddlers. By the toddlers, yeah. and hilariously, he says, "My one of my favorite bits is he says my bodyguard knows karate." Yeah, and they say, he says, "Sorry, boss, I'm only a blue belt." <laughs> that is good, but yes, he, they, they, so they grab him and throw him in the van, and we kind of cut to and this movie's all over the place linear, in a linear fashion. Like, yeah, it's, not, it, it's very Tarantino in that sense, but it was so easy to follow i'm yeah, still blown away by that yeah, yeah. so we, we kind of cut to he's in the he wakes up in the van and he's naked mm-hmm. with a blanket covering him and coach is there and basically saying like yeah you had a, quite a night last night and well, uh let's uh yeah let's let's hear the let's, scene let's take a listen to what happens here you're all right big dave you're in safe hands now no need to panic okay who are you don't worry about that right now okay Look, whatever's going on here, I, I, I just need to get back to work. If you, if you, if you let me go, I'll I just forget all about it. I'll have you back to work in short order, my friend. Now, I believe you're a reporter. And there's something I want to report to you. Now, it seems for this brief moment in time, I found my way into the film business. And last night, I made a film with an impressively sized farmyard pig. Morning, sir. Two cups of tea. One with sugar, one without. All right, let's go on. Give us a minute. There's some wet wipes there over your shoulder. Your clothes are neatly folded there on the bench. Now, in due course, you're going to press the space bar on this computer and you're going to witness your participation in said film. Now, that little drug we gave you last night really loosened up your inhibitions, man. The only thing you need to do to stop this little creative expression for becoming a social media sensation is lose any interest you have in the future of Mickey Pearson. I'm going to leave you now to clean yourself up. Space bar, yeah? Have a hot drink as well. It might make you feel a little bit better. It's a fucking rough night for you. Enjoy the show. Jason, <laughs> you, you wanted to... We talked about this uh, before we went on on air. But you wanted to mention something, because this is relevant to something you said recently on the podcast. Oh, yeah, well... Did you say it on the podcast? I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I may have said it off the podcast. It reminded me of... Uh, I was listening to another podcast, and they presented the uh, the question of, like, would you rather uh, fuck a pig and have nobody know, <laughs> yeah. or or have everybody think you fucked a pig, but you didn't actually fuck a pig? Right. And this guy's living that nightmare. <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it, you definitely didn't say it on the podcast. No, no, I didn't. But it's been revealed, and I don't know what uh, the audience's answers are. We really don't need to hear them. But uh, no, no, I'm putting it out there right now. Uh, We want answers, (laughs) and next week we'll read all your answers. 
<laughs> and, um, and of course, and I mentioned while we were watching the clip, it reminded me of the first episode of Black Mirror, where yeah. that's the whole premise of it. Trying to get the minister pig. to fuck a pig. Yeah. Yeah, so what a fucked up thing to do to Eddie Marzen, but they had to do what they had to do. I mean, a fucked up thing to do to a pig. Yeah, I know, that poor pig. I mean, he, he, that pig, she probably didn't want Eddie Marzen to do that to her. Probably not. No, I can't imagine. Oh, so just as an overall thing, do you think um, Guy Ritchie as a director, and maybe maybe it's different from when he started directing, but do you think he's flash over substance, or do you think it goes hand-in-hand? Do you think it's substance over flash? I, I, I think it could easily be substance over flash, but I enjoy his movies enough. You I, mean flash over substance? Or flash over substance. I mean, you could make that accusation, but I, I think his movies are enjoyable enough that I think it all works in tandem. I mean, I'm not going to make the argument that they're super deep or super philosophical or anything, but I think they're just solid, enjoyable gangster pictures. I mean, I mean... He does. He does reference one of his own movies in this movie. Does he? Well, I mean, it's a it's a visual reference when yeah. Hugh Grant is pitching his uh, his movie at the mm. very end of the film. Uh, the Man from Uncle posters in the background. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny. I thought that was funny. Funny. I thought it was funny because I was like, "Oh, the Man from Uncle." Wait a second, Wait guy, a Richie. <laughs> um, do you think Hugh Grant? Do you think Fletcher, like Hugh Grant's character, do you think he dies at the end? <laughs> Yeah, I think they must tie up that loose end. They don't show it. They don't show it, no. But they have, you know, Raymond catching him. Um, one of the more predictable things you get. Any any movie where a character gets into a cab and just casually doesn't even look up and says, yeah, all of a sudden, I'm going here and then an airplane and I'll be in Los Angeles. Yeah. And then you know it's not going to end well. Yeah, no, at that point, I think they have to tie up that loose end because he's already caused them so much trouble and initially and then caused them further trouble by ratting them out to the Russians. So... Yeah, he does a lot of he does shady shit, and then he does like accessory to murder yeah. shit um, yeah. because he tells the Russians who uh, you know Aslan's father where to find them, and nearly gets them killed yeah. twice. <laughs> so, so he's he's proven himself multiple times that he's not trustworthy. I do. I don't want to commit the same sins of the movie of underutilizing this character. Mm. So I do want to play a scene with Rosalind, yeah, uh, McConaughey's wife because she's great. Please do. And I know you like Michelle Dockery. I do. I love her. She's wonderful. Come by to have a cup of tea with my wife. Go on then. Put the kettle on. Looks like the deal's going through. Second thoughts? No second thoughts. I like middle age. Like gentrification, private schools, fine wines, and a spoonful of caviar to help my medicine go down. But most importantly, I'm looking forward to spending more time with you. Of course you are. Look, I don't want you knocking around here feeling all unemployed and lost for yourself. Oh, fuck me. Most wives would beg their other halves to get out of this game, but not you. That's because I know you, darling. Look, you'll have to do this elegantly, love. If word spreads that you're getting out, that could read as weakness. And if you smell smoke, it's because there's a fire. And that could get expensive. So you're going to have to stamp that out without any gentrification. But not you, love. Don't you do anything messy. That's why you've got people, remember? I fucking love you, babe. Of course you do. Any chance? Nah, you can wait. I've got a red-hot rooski with a finger on the trigger. I've got to deal with it. I don't mind the two of yous. Go on. Fuck off. I love her. Yeah, she's great. She, by the way, you can't see it, but in that scene, she grabs the balls. I was wondering, was there a stunt cock? Was there a stunt hand? Was there a stunt hand and a stunt cock? I mean, yeah, we can all wonder that. Yeah. Do you know who was... Uh, 
<laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> Such a weird, um, interesting um, casting thing here. This Michelle Dockery came in very last minute uh, because the original actress that was going to play the role was Kate Beckinsale. Oh. Yeah. I'm glad they went with Michelle Dockery. I mean, I'm not, nothing against Kate Beckinsale, but... I don't know if she would have pulled off the kind of intimidating boss lady thing mm. that, this, that, that Michelle Dockery pulls off. I mean, I'm not saying she couldn't, but it just, it seems very much like almost written for her. But she's also murdered tons of vampires and werewolves, right? This is true. Yeah. Well, she also hooked up with a werewolf. So, I mean, I'm Len just Wiseman? saying. What? Len Wiseman? No, she fucks, the whole Underworld series is based on the No, vampire. I just assumed that Len, Len Wiseman was a, was a vampire. Oh, I don't know. Or, or a werewolf, perhaps. Perhaps he's both. You know what? I've seen the first one and the last one. Wow. And nothing in between. <laughs> nothing in between. <laughs> nothing in between. Not necessary. I saw the first one. Liked it. <coughs> I don't remember it. Bill Nye's in it. He's I know great. it's well over two hours long, which is crazy. Yeah, it's a long movie. But yeah, Jason, you got any bits and bobs you want to mention? I have a mention? couple. A couple okay. things I want to okay. mention. Okay, okay. Um, the music in this movie is fantastic. Yes. Especially the chase scene where they're chasing the kids with their phones. Yes, what's that? I think it's a Wu-Tang Clan song. Yeah. possibly but it is just it's such a well edited you know chase scene and it just it grooves man mm-hmm. um beer and a single pickled egg i thought that was a nice combination in the very beginning of the movie in the gross bar. gross um the titles were very 70s style i like that kind of you know and you got to see the characters before yeah i appreciated that because there's so many characters yeah. in this movie uh, i love it when you talk dirty to me i'm feeling engorged that made me laugh. Oh, Hugh Grant constantly yeah. hitting on Charlie yeah, Hunnam. Yeah, exactly. Okay, do, okay. Do you think it's playful, or do you think he's like supposed to be like a gay character? No, I think he's gay, and I okay. think he's just he's just taking his chance, you know. And again, a character that's not a straight white male is a yeah. villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, a good old fashioned cock off made me laugh. Dirty Wonder Weed describing the marijuana. Yeah, that was, <laughs> there are a lot of a lot of interesting names. Jewish billionaire cowboy. I don't know where the cowboy part came in, just because he's from the states. <sighs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't, yeah, he didn't have a, he wasn't like Texan or anything. I, I like that they brought up an actual thing in British culture that would have been a problem for them. They mentioned, so they talk about like how, uh, so there's something in Britain called the right to roam, which is the idea, and it's throughout a lot of Europe, but it's the idea that, that people have access to certain trails and natural features through private land compared to the United States where, and in here where property rights are pretty much absolute, where if I say I own a piece of land and say you can't come on it, you can't. But in Britain, you can. You have certain rights as far as where you can go and what you can do and how you can travel. And for somebody running secret weed operations, I can imagine that would be a problem. Yeah. And they mentioned that because he's like, oh, they got internet forums and they, you know, they know where to go. And I do like that whole bit um, where McConaughey is explaining how his operation works because mm. it kind of feels grounded. Like, yeah. the way he's talking about, like, listen, I have to, like, basically pay for these lords to live in their homes yeah. and not pay taxes. That's how I do it. Yeah. They don't care where I get the money from. They're just happy to not pay they taxes. Just, exactly. They don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, I enjoy when Charlie Hunnam gets after uh, uh, Hugh Grant for lighting a cigarette up or going to light a cigarette up. He's, like, ready to murder him at that point. He's that fastidious about his house. I am Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't blame you. Uh, in the In the... Fake scene, like where we see the initial encounter between Dry Eye and Matthew McConaughey, that it turns out to be just his flight of fancy. It's very much Matthew McConaughey hand soloing uh, Dry Eye's Greedo. He's got the gun <laughs> under the table and he shoots him under the table. Mickey shot first. Yeah, <laughs> Mickey shot first. Uh, the entire coach scene, again, fantastic. Colin Farrell, like I say, every second on screen is a joy to behold. It's just great. The YouTube criminals with GoPros is funny to me. I mean, that would never work because it would get taken down so fast in the real world, but. Yeah, uh, that's a fun. Oh, and when he meets up with um, 
the the older Asian dude, Lord, uh, what was his name again? George. Lord George. Uh, he basically poisons him, and the dude full on projectile vomits like Sandlot style. Like, <laughs> but what's surprising in that scene? Again, I go back to there's not a lot of unnecessary murder in this movie. No. He doesn't kill him. No, he doesn't kill him. He just sickens him and then pr- gives him the a couple alk- Well, a couple alk seltzers to deal with it. I mean, essentially the antidote. Because yeah, if he doesn't take him, he will die. He'll shit himself to death, as yeah. he says. At one point, they're in a car driving real fast, and Charlie Hunnam's character insists on putting uh, his seatbelt on, which I thought was funny just from the perspective of this fastidious, like, assistant that has always got his back, but also from the perspective of, like, I'm sure there's some British film board somewhere that was like, no, he's got to be wearing the seatbelt, because you got, you, (laughs) literally in Britain, you can't, you got to have people wearing seatbelts when they're in cars, like, on screen, you have to. Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, that's, like, a a directive, I think. Hmm. Um... Goes, and then it goes with this kind of OCD kind of yeah. obsessive personality. And then I think later in that scene is when they they stop in the middle of the street and the car gets hit by a bus and we have this cool inside the car view of them rolling over uh, as they go and I was just like oh fuck when I saw that it was such a good like just a good special effect it looked great uh, is intense uh, yeah the weirdness of the rape scene stuck out to me like really we got it's that completely out of nowhere. And then, oh, of course, when we um, and when Matthew gets found out as being behind all this, we have the scene where he basically shows him dry eye dead in the freezer, and then is like, "You're going to go in that freezer, and you're going to transfer me the four hundred million dollars, and I'm going to keep the business, and then you're going to cut off a literal pound of your own flesh to give to me, and if you don't do it, then I'll have Bunny here do it. He's real good with a knife." Oh yeah, and that's fucked up. That's fucked up. <laughs> we don't know if Matthew lives or dies. Yeah, we don't know because yeah, the idea is that if he doesn't do both those things, then he's going to let him die in the freezer. I thought he said just give me the difference between the number you quoted and the four hundred million. I think he's like, I'll take either way. But he's he's taking it and he's not selling it. He's just taking the money and keeping the business. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Also, this is one of the few movies that kind of ends well for all our protagonists. Yeah, it actually, yeah, I know, I know. Based on previous movies we've seen with gangsters and stuff, yeah, it actually ends well. Because, look, literally the last scene is Matthew, Be- Matthew McConaughey being like, hey, I got away with it. <laughs> hey, can we fuck now? And yeah, then he fucks his it. wife. Yeah, just like, yeah, exactly. I've got a few bits and bobs. Sure. Um, I like that when we're, when we're showing young Mickey... Um, it's always shot from the back yes. or the neck down because we don't need to do this de-aging technology stuff and we don't yeah. need to hire a younger actor. I think that's I think that's really cool that they did that. Um, I like I love the uh, the comedic long take of Dry Eye typing out his uh, his number his figure yes. that he wants to offer <laughs> yeah. to buy the business and it's just this long you just click 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 and then after all of that uh mickey looks at it and he's like you're missing a few zeros yeah. <laughs> which that number had to be like 20 digits yeah long. it was a ridiculous amount of ticks as he was punching through the the keyboard i'm sure somebody must have counted them <laughs> he could have deleted something at some point i suppose <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's basically it. The yeah. multiple fake-outs and twists were pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very Guy Ritchie thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this movie is very recent, Jason, so yeah. we have nothing about Oscars or BAFTAs or anything like that. But on Rotten Tomatoes, it says a 75% with the critics. Um, I think the audience rating is a lot higher because, you know, yeah. they're a lot less... Uh, well, that's picky. They just wanted to see a classic yeah. Guy Ritchie gangster film. And the overall consensus was it may not win writer-director Guy Ritchie many new converts, which I would definitely agree with. Yeah. But for those already attuned to the filmmaker's brash wavelength, the gentleman stands tall. Um, 
Entertainment Weekly said it uh, it came up short when comparing it to Richie's previous crime films. It's nothing but a it, it's nothing if not a callback to the locks of yesteryear, star-stacked and defibrillated with enough juice to jolt a gorilla out of cardiac arrest. Wow, what a line. <laughs> um, of course, we talked about this, but some reviews perceived the film as anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic, and sexist on account of its portrayals of characters that fit stereotypes. Hmm. Um, the Independent described it as an equal op- opportunity offender and its targeting of a multitude of minorities from hmm. Jews to East Asians. Jason, this kind of blew me away. So how do you... I don't know if you looked any of this up, but how much do you think this movie cost to make? I don't know. If I had to guess, I'd say $45 million. $22 million. Wow, that so seems like pretty maybe, pretty good deal. Pretty much on the cheap, so I mean... For this cast, especially. I mean, definitely people took some reduced paychecks Or took here. some back end points. Yeah. yeah. But how much do you think this movie made? Mm, I can't imagine it made a whole lot. I would say $45 million. $115 wow. million. Dollars. Wow, bigger success than I expected. I, t- I was fucking shocked yeah. because I didn't even like... I heard about this movie, yeah. but I mean, I think you and I... We, we look into this stuff a lot. Yeah. We, we're not just like sit, we're not just watching trailers on TV. Yeah, yeah, we're a couple yeah. bigwigs here. Yeah, we know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, I, and I like Guy Ritchie a lot. I didn't think he had that pull to make a movie that would make that kind of money. One hundred and fifteen yeah. million. I mean, tw- especially after the King Arthur thing and the other swept away and other like kind of bombs he's made over the years. I was, I was, yeah, I was shocked. And this is like a worldwide number, but still, I mean, that's a that's a fucking that's a success. Mm. That's a big success um, and a critical success. So good on you, Guy. One last thing I got to say, and I hate to mention this guy's name because he's a piece of shit, but <laughs> the one thing that distracted me most about this movie is that Charlie Hunnam looks looks very much like uh, the right-wing shitbag co-founder of uh, the Proud Boys and Vice, uh, Gavin McGinnis, who unfortunately is Canadian. Uh, he is a very well-dressed piece of shit, and Charlie Hunnam really evokes his style. And, I, I mean, this character certainly is a piece of shit in his own ways, but not in the same way that Charlie Hunnam, or that uh, Gavin McGinnis is. A well-dressed piece of shit. Yeah, he is a well-dressed piece of shit. I can't, I can't, the man's style is is fantastic, but he's a terrible person. All right, well, there you go. And I, th- I think it goes without saying, I mean, we did mention it, but everybody in this movie is pretty good. I still say I don't think Matthew McConaughey is that great in the movie but i do really like michelle dockery henry Mm. golding i mean charlie hunnam which i was super surprised by colin farrell so good Uh, just a testament put that guy in in a supporting role in every movie every movie (laughs) colin farrell and michelle dockery i think come away from this as the big winners oh absolutely um but yeah no so i mean as a movie i think it's good i don't think it belongs on any kind of bfi list honestly because i think there's i mean there's already there's better guy Ritchie movies i I think snatch would be my pick but like yeah or even yeah like i haven't seen in a while but maybe even Lockstock. like i don't know but yeah this isn't even like the strongest guy Ritchie movie Mm. so i would say put snatch or Lockstock on there before this one but it's a good movie i like it it's got problems but (laughs) for sure but if you like it if you like a solid fucking gangster movie you, you can't really go wrong with this one it's entertaining as hell I, and I'm glad we acknowledged the uh, the, the problematic yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, you, you, can acknowledge, you can acknowledge problematic stuff and still enjoy a movie. You I can't mean, ignore it. You can't. It's pretty obvious. It's, it's pretty. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty ingrained in the film. Yeah. And again, it's not just like a thing where you're watching Goodfellas and you see like you know, they're they're kind of racist because they're Italian mobsters yeah. and you know it happens. The movie feels racist. Yeah. <laughs> like, so bit, yeah. I mean, a little bit. Like it borders. Anyway, it's 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 a fun movie. Check it out and decide for yourself. Like we say, on it's on Canadian Netflix. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I will say this: if you don't like Guy Ritchie already, you won't like. Yeah, it. don't. Yeah, exactly. This will not change your mind for sure. There's no. no no way. But Jason, it's time. It's time to go back 
in time. Now it's time to go back to the list. The list. It's time to go back to the BFI top 100 list. We had our fun. Now it's back to work. <laughs> back to work. Back to homework. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so Jason, it's it's Jason's turn to roll some dice. And Jason, um, what do you uh, what do you have there? What what Vanna White? This. What do you what are you bringing out for us? I'm bringing out two dice out of this bag of three. Wow, don't lift the curtain too high. I've got a a green tens die die uh, green tens I have a green D ten and I have a yellow D ten. Is it yellow? I don't know, it's hard to tell in this light. White oh, you, maybe? You took you took the spare one, but it's a okay. good I did, you yeah, no, we're that. we're doing something a little different today. We're hoping that we're gonna get this on the right on the nozzle, but we might have to do a couple reasons. Carry re-rolls. on up the Kyler! Here we go, baby. Yeah. So, so what? So what Jason's gonna do is he's gonna roll these dice. I am. And the number that he lands on is the number on the BFI top 100 that we are going to tackle next week, and we are coming close, Jason, to finishing our first 60 movies. All right. We are. We are so close. So let's get our tens d10 first here. All right. So the tens d10 is gonna be. Eighty. All right. We're in the 80s. Do we have any eighties left? Uh Oh yeah, we have Oh yeah, we have quite a few. All right. So 89. Oh wow. Okay. We're going to do the sort of documentary. It's called Fires Were Started. Okay. And it's sort of a um a fa- it's not a real documentary, but it's done in documentary style. It's a World War II yeah. about firemen during the war. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That sounds it's neat. Very short. Oh, even so, better. I'm so well, considering I got to watch Hackers and this movie this oh, week. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for a future episode of a different podcast. I'm pretty sure that would have already aired by now. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll talk about Fires Were Started. Wow. It's, it's interesting. It's no carry up. It's no carry on up the Kyber. Well, we'll see. But I guess it'll have to do. Maybe it's hilarious. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, Fires Were Started. So we'll talk about that next week. But until then, Jason... They can follow us on social media. They can follow us on Facebook just by searching for Scream. And country. They can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. I just forgot how to spell my own name, but now you know. And uh, he's a real gentleman. I try. Mm. I retweet some stuff. I occasionally tweet some stuff. Don't at me unless you want to. And even then, think about it. Think about it, yeah. Make, make, think about your life. I'd like to hear some positive vibes. Okay. Maybe Hugh Grant. Yes. Hugh Grant, if you're out there on Twitter, tweet Jason. At me, Hugh Grant, and let me know that you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, let him know how you're doing. We're worried about you in quarantine, bud. And we thank you for the entertainment you provided us these last few weeks. You're real charming. We got and to... we, we we hope, we have you. if you're home alone, you don't have anyone to be charming with, so. Yeah. Poor guy. Unless, you know, you could be charming when you're, like, jerking off or something. I'm sure he could. If there's anybody in the world that would be charming while masturbating, it's Hugh Grant. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I'm <laughs> oh, just, I just, I just I, I, do, I, do I hold it? Do I, do I, do I put it up and down? I, I just, I, I haven't, I haven't had this kind of experience before. <laughs> One quick, quick, quick thing I just want to say, because we didn't mention it, but Hugh Grant is in the, is in the midst of a renaissance, and I am here for it. The Hugh grant It's happening. All right. He's playing... Not necessarily all just like charming, bumbly, stumbly guys, and no. I love it. Um, or or horrible assholes is the other alternative to that uh, to that stereotype. Yeah. But that is all. That is gonna be all for us. Fires were started. We're gonna talk about it next week. 
see how long that episode is for a 64-minute movie. Yep. But until then, Jason, I gotta say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screaming Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Oh, you wicked cunt. You dirty cunt, you are. Oh, you're a good cunt. Ah, you're a good cunt. He's a good one. Hey, he's, he's a good cunt. Hey, one of the good cunts. Yeah. If, if we was on American TV, they wouldn't hear us. No, not at all. Show me some of y'all, some of y'all.